The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Frank with V Brownback, and with me today I have Lars, who is going to talk about the VCAP 6 DCV design, and in particular Objective 2.7, which is, I believe, um, security-related, right? Yeah. Okay. We'll just do some housekeeping real quick. If you want to get in touch during the show, after the show, or before any show, um, the easiest way to reach us really is Twitter, with either tweeting the accounts directly or using the hashtag uh, vbrownback. I'll monitor that hashtag as well for any incoming questions. You can also raise your hand or simply write into the Q&A or the chat if you have any questions. Um, we run these shows weekly, um, especially on over on the US side. Uh, we are always also looking for presenters uh, in the EMEA time zone. So if you want to present on one of the V Brown bags, either for this topic or any other topics, um, give me or one of my co-hosts um, a shout and we'll get in touch with you. And with that, I'll give you the presenter rights and then we can get this started. Okay. Uh, you see my screen? I do. It looks kind of panicked. <laughs> it's always good good to be in pen mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, thanks, Frank. Uh, so, my name is Lars Vertassen, and uh, I have a VCDX, and my number is uh, 192. Uh, the agenda for this presentation is uh, covering the subsections of the Objective 2.7 in the VCAP TCV design exam. Uh, well, most of the content, if not all, are based on uh, vSphere 6 features at the moment, and but I'll address the changes uh, uh, that were recently made available in vSphere 6.5 that might impact some of the uh, subsections as well. So for the first one, uh, you are required to evaluate which security services can be used with a given vSphere solution. And this uh, tend to be up to interpretation, so I'll try to come with, up with explanations for at least two of the potential meanings for this section. First, we need to make sure what security services are, and secondly, we need to identify which vSphere solutions the sections are referring to. Uh, since this is a DCV exam, the required solutions should include the main infrastructure management components, vCenter, update manager, single sign-on, and potentially log inside. Then uh, you have the resource components such as ESXi for compute, storage, and networking. And that last the application portion, which includes the VM and in some instances the application which is running on those VMs. Uh, as for, as for security services, this has multiple potential definitions, but uh, knowing all of them has its benefits in designing vSphere environments. So we will cover uh, each of them. Uh, first one applies uh, to how security services and definitions are applied to vSphere solutions. Uh, the most official way 
to ensure vSphere environments have been secured is uh, applying solutions from the uh, vSphere hard security hardening guide. The guide itself has uh, three distinct risk profiles which can be selected based on the customer risk tolerance or, or management requirements. Uh, some of these guidelines in the hardening guide include configuration of VM advanced settings for uh, limiting access to copy-paste procedures, uh, console access or compute lock access and firewall management for hosts, network settings, isolation and network segmentation. Uh, the only uh, thing that the security guide does not include to is, is specific storage configuration, but they are included under the ESXi hardening guidelines. So for instance, masking zones and uh, creating chat secrets for iSCSI. Uh, the second one of the definitions uh, is using specific VMware tools to integrate with the core vSphere solutions. This can include various uh, NSX services, mainly uh, segment micro-segmentation, vRealize Configuration Manager, vRealize Log Insights, and each of these solutions have a specific tool set to fulfill various security requirements like locking, isolation, and compliance management and fulfillment. And the last one, for most part, includes solutions that integrate with existing vSphere management solutions such as NSX Manager. Uh, the most common ones are antivirus offloading, uh, firewall of packet inspection, intrusion detection, and intrusion prevention systems. And all of these cases the system is integrated with easier and, and needs additional VMware tools installed to manage and use with the environment. The most prominent ones are NSX server chaining, which allow multiple network services to operate in the same traffic flow, service insertion, which is a prereq for server chaining to allow traffic to be inspected by third-party network service, and this includes third-party firewall tools and virus scanning tools for most of the large vendors. Uh, so that should cover the uh, first subsection. The second subsection involves defining how security as an infrastructure quality relate to other qualities. Uh, to make sure we continue with the first uh, explaining each part of the section and then showing the relationships between them, it's best to include what the security infrastructure quality includes and the best descriptions I found is actually in the VCDX blueprint. So security is to plan for overall data control, confidentiality, integrity, accessibility, governance, and risk management, and often including an ability to demonstrate and achieve compliance with regulation. Uh, as you can see, security uh, just about touches every part of a design and impacts all of these qualities at the same time. Uh, security and management seem to be, have many conflicts since as uh, soon as you apply strict security measures, you tend to increase management overhead, increase compliance drift risk, and get invited and don't get invited to IT operations barbecues. Also, security tend to have an impact on recoverability due to the data control requirement as you need to protect access, integrity, and accessibility to the data. As for availability and performance, security doesn't impact the other ones as much, uh, those ones as much, since they mostly apply to quantitative definitions such as uptime and performance SLAs. The third subsection covers uh, building regulatory compliance requirements into a logical design. Uh, this doesn't seem to be covered in detail in the tool section of the shell objective, but uh, first we need to explain each of the uh, thing in the section. So what is a regulatory compliance requirement? 
it's a set of rules that the business need to follow to be able to stay in business. Well, this can include, but must limit, not, but is not limited to, to gather data, keep data, process it, protect it, and give access to it. There are no, uh, these are no way limited to data control, but can also include IT governance guidelines on how to run, protect infrastructure, manage and monitor processes or services, workflows for lifecycle management, and the list goes on forever. Uh, I'm not going to list up all the regulations, uh, but the, uh, the ones that everybody should know about is uh, PCIS and HIPAA, which covers credit card information for PCI, DSS, and medical information for HIPAA. There are actually a lot of uh, compliance regulations out there. Uh, I have some of them in the diagram there. But as with most compliance requirements, there is an inherent risk involved, and that applies to how the design itself will help with maintaining compliance. This includes how infrastructure and VM management is run and how compli compliance is monitored and maintained. This, of course, can happen at other than the infrastructure level, but needs to be addressed as part of lifecycle management processes to fulfill the requirements in the design. So let's say you have a PCI DSS workload. How will separation of duties, role-based access control, management component, and layout, resource isolation, and data control be addressed? Most of these points have risks and need to be, need to be addressed accordingly. But how do you build them into a logical design? Uh, each regulation has multiple sections, and each section has multiple requirements or rules to follow. Uh, not all requirements are, or rules apply to virtualization infrastructure, so you will need to cross-reference the regulation requirements to vSphere solutions and their corresponding management and availability security guidelines uh, or unavailable security guidelines, like security hardening guides. So let's use ISO standard 27001 as a reference, since I work with that on a daily basis. The standard itself includes 20, 10 clauses with 114 security controls or requirements divided into 14 uh, specific groups. First, you need to map which requirement applies to a vSphere infrastructure management service or solution and, and other qualities. At that point, you will need to address each of the requirements individually with a reference point in the design or security hardening measure. This continues into the physical design where every requirement is addressed by a specific section in the design by either a configuration item along with a validation item or a single validation item, operational procedure or a risk mitigation item. But this can also apply to real uh, compliance regulations since ISO standards are optional. So let's use PCI DSS as an example. If you just take requirement 2.2D, where the requirement is to change the default passwords, this can be addressed with a specific guideline, guideline item from the security hardening guide. But if we follow uh, requirement 6.2, where, where it states that all critical patches need to be applied within one month, this need to be addressed within the standard operating procedures to reduce any risk of misconfiguration during patching. Security hardening guide items for applying patches is also applicable. Risk mitigation of that item might be up, risk mitigation of an item might to be updated, might need to update the vulnerability processes to include visual related path patching, patch notification monitoring, and process them accordingly. 
And I think, especially from an exam perspective here, right, um, the distinguishment between conceptual, log logical, and physical is far stronger in, in the actual VCDX process. Um, yeah. Given the yeah, tooling true. available in, in the exam, I, I think um, sometimes conceptual and logical are being thrown together as well as logical and physical. And yeah. uh, since it's a VMware exam, it actually makes a lot of sense to, to have a bit of overlap between logical and physical, right? Um, we, we know the update management product is going to be update manager. There's no alternative. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there, there, there are always some, uh, well, or, well, some of the logical tends to be uh, running into physical, and 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 the same goes for logical to conceptual. But that's okay. It's up to uh, everybody to <coughs> address that personally. As for the uh, fourth subsection, you will you need to be able to analyze application and infrastructure security requirements. Uh, first, we define an infrastructure that is uh, V3 components and the underlying resources, and then the application, which the service, which is the service running in the operating system on specific VMs. Top-down reports is uh, mandatory in most cases. That is, uh, what we, what the security requirements of the application and how you how you apply them to the underlying infrastructure, or how will they impact the underlying infrastructure design. Most designs include steps to making sure to fulfill the requirements of the applications that are critical to the business, but rarely it's the other way around. Hardware constraints uh, will be addressed as risks for the business to mitigate or accept. So let's use a multi-tier application as an example. This application consists of an front-end that should reside in a DMZ environment, a collaboration server, and a data analysis service. These are all hypothetical examples. You might require a separate cluster depending on the risk tolerance of the business. This also might require different categorization and protection of the work networks to reduce human error into deploying new VMs on a DMZ network. The network might require physical separation which impacts compute configuration or component selection. When you add the regulatory compliance requirement, this becomes, in many cases, mandatory configuration items with impacts to most of the infrastructure components and other design qualities. Subsection 5 uh, requires two set of skills. Uh, first one is to build a role-based access model and then the mapable roles to services. Uh, role-based access models depend on the operational structure of the business, that is how the separation of duties will be and how lifecycle management is applied in day-to-day -day operations according to the security requirements and compliance regulations. VMware has specific hardening guidelines that include reducing access to full administrative roles, changing default administrative users, and having specific set of predefined roles like VM operator, VM user, and read-only. So let's say the business has a simple three-tier support operations model. Uh, first tier support for initial contact and help. Second tier support for issues that require either elevated access or knowledge. And three, third tier support for uh, depth, in-depth root cause analysis and expert level knowledge. But the company also has PCI DSS services that need to be protected. How would you build a role-based access model for this? First of all, you need to make sure 
that the PCI DSS components are protected with a specific role so you can control access to the data. Then you need to address the required access, each required access of each of the support tiers that need to be able to do their job. This will map to the privileges in the role created for each of the support groups. By doing that, a subset of people are defined as PCI DSS admins or operators or users. Other users don't see the VM's compute storage network or for these workloads. So role-based access can also be used to mitigate risks such as security compliance risks, VM lifecycle, VM lifecycle compliance risk, or any risk where you need to be able to control a set of allowed operations within the environment. Uh, the sixth subsection, you'll need to be able to uh, build a security policy based on uh, security requirements and IT governance, governance practices. A security policy uh, describes a, a specific requirement that must be met and in many cases covers a single area like uh, remote access policy, uh, server security policy or information locking policy where you uh, have all the information needed, what you need to lock, etc., and how it's configured. Uh, security requirements can include access level specifications, how data should be protected, air gaps or isolations, or any other security requirements. IT governance is best explained as what is to be achieved from leveraging of IT resources. <clears throat> this is a very broad generalization of the definition and leaves a lot to inter interpretation. The most prominent framework is COBIT, but uh, it helps in linking business goals to IT goals. Uh, it has four specific domains and 30 pro 34 processes that might help in explaining IT governance. Uh, uh, there's no need to know what COBIT is for the SAM, but uh, it's, uh, it's good to know what it includes, so you get a sense of what IT governance is about in that specific session. But they can, they do include uh, uh, processes which are in line with the responsible areas like plan, build, run, and monitor IT environments. So as you can see, this applies to having accepted processes in running and managing IT systems. Also, it can include stuff from other detailed standards such as ITIL, ISO 27000. TOCAF and PMPAC, which is a project management book. They just missed an O there. <laughs> what? They just missed an O there. Yeah. Definitely had to abbreviate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, with the security requirements in hand uh, and how to best fulfill the business outcomes with IT resources in forms of processes, compliance, validation steps, risk management, and the other processes involved in running an IT environment, you can create a security policy. It will then include all the necessary components to fulfill the security requirements using standardized IT processes as part of the IT governance practices. That's a nasty word, <laughs> governance. So in this example, uh, the uh, data protection policy can include data encryption, data access, data integrity, and also regulation compliance issues for from IT governance. 
Well, information logging policy can include uh, event processes, event monitoring processes and locking from security requirements. Uh, for the seventh subsection, you need to integrate customer risks tolerance into a security policy. Uh, this applies to risk management procedures used in IT governance and governance practices. Uh, what is risk tolerance? Uh, risk tolerance is the amount of uncertainty an organization is prepared to accept in total or more narrowly within a certain business unit, a particular risk category or or for a specific initiative. Risk tolerance is measurable and quantitative and is communicated as acceptable or un unacceptable outcomes or just simply as level of risk like low, medium, high. Uh, this can be used as part of risk management processes and risk assessment processes to help analyze the likelihood and the impact of each risk. Uh, the level of details in such assessments differs from organizations but using a simple risk matrix can help to determine the categorization of the risks that need to be addressed. And actually I have a link there in the, in the slide which is actually not part of the notes but it's an excellent uh, PDF which explains the definition of risk tolerance and risk appetite as well. So I so I recommend reading that. In, 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 your ex, in your experience, if someone actually is being hit by a security issue, how, how, do, how does the mind, chef, uh, mind ch uh, set shift from acceptable to unacceptable as an outcome um, once something has been hit? I, I can only speak for the support perspective, but accepted risks after they've been hit, they are never accepted ever again. That's, that's right. That's actually uh, just the way it is. <laughs> People tend to uh, uh, think of uh, certain risks to be acceptable, uh, but as soon as they uh, arrive or, or come up, uh, they don't want it to happen again. So yeah. things are done to make sure that it doesn't happen again. But uh, risk assessments are very different between organizations and uh, the scale of risk assessment, so especially in IT operations, is uh, very different between the, both the size of the operations, the size of the IT admin, uh, the management, IT management side, and uh, well, the, just the group which handles it is different. And I guess it's like Depends sizing, on. yeah, it's like, like sizing, doing proper risk assessment is is a bit of a mixture between science and, and art interwoven. Yeah, that, yeah, it, it can, can, can be like that, but you can't use these, uh, you can start somewhere like using those uh, uh, simple uh, risk matrices just to make sure that you uh, find the risks involved in creating design and, and showing which, which risk uh, is more important or, or is, is, uh, has a high impact and a high likelihood, so you can address those before you address the low ones. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it also depends quite a bit on what type of business you're actually running, right? Um, the the yep. assessment metrics will look vastly different for for a public uh, cloud provider than it is uh, for, for someone running a um, purely private-based uh, cloud. Yeah, and also uh, it depends also on the uh, sector you're running in. Uh, a lot of a lot of customers don't need uh, a lot of data protection, but others are need to comply to PCI or or uh, you know HIPAA or similar standards. So they need to address that. Uh, but let's, if we continue, so if we take uh, for example a risk tolerance statement, which uh, you can that you need to have zero tolerance for fraudulent data loss. Uh, this message uh, uh, originates from the IT management and is mostly in, approved by the board of directors. So it's a, some sort of a organizational statement which uh, needs to be addressed in the organization and the IT management under that. Uh, this one uh, would need to be addressed would be addressed as a risk that would would have far too large of an impact and should be addressed accordingly with any means necessary. So they have zero tolerance for fraudulent data loss, and so they need to do everything they can to make sure that that, that doesn't happen, though even things tend to happen because of zero-day exploits and, and, and et cetera. But this would then be applied to a security policy as part of an overall data protection plan. This could include key management solutions, encryption at all levels, addressed and in motion, role separation, data access hardening, multi-layer authentication, and probably many more. So, uh, the eighth session <coughs> requires uh, skills in assessing the impacted services and creating an access an access management plan. First, we all need to make sure that we understand what an access management plan is. Access management is the process of granting unauthorized users to the right to use a service while preventing access to non-authorized users. Well, like ITIL describes it, it's all, all always sometimes called identity management as well. This includes user and password control, role creation, management, and group membership management. Uh, this is applied through least privileges, privileged policy access, so user only gets access to what they need to do their job. Uh, this is applied when designing role-based access control and uh, management components for visual environments. As for the services impacted, I'm not sure what they mean in this section. Uh, access management plan uh, should impact specific duties as the privileges required should follow the least privileged policy. So, uh, Well, it, it might be those um, in integration points, right? Login site, for example, requires a read-only account. Um, if you yeah. want to use vRealize Operations Manager, you can do that with a read-only account. If you want the Python integration, you need higher privilege levels than read-only to actually mm -hmm. um, use the Action Framework, right? So, um, de de depending on what you actually want to do with um, 
third-party integration, um, third-party being a different VMware product apart from the Blueprint, or um, even a true VMware third-party product, uh, backup software, for example, as well, right? Um, yeah. I, I guess they, they mean that kind of stuff there. Yeah. Sometimes the sections are uh, uh, badly worded. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I work with the certification team, and we are really doing our best to describe it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in in that case, uh, of course, uh, every integration point doesn't matter what it is. You can you should always create a service account which only has the uh, available privileges they need to do what, what they need to do. So still following the list privileges privileged policy. Yeah. And, and also make sure it's a uniquely identifiable account. Uh, you, you wouldn't yeah. believe how many environments I, I see basically on a day-to-day -day basis where they have a uh, service account, but it's the same service account across all services. So if, if one goes haywire and the login expires and it, it just causes a real explosion of log messages, you still don't know which service it is, right? <laughs> um, yep. That's true, it, it, and it uh, tends to get harder to uh, analyze anything which happens in vCenter, especially in vCenter uh, 6.5 where you can see actually what the user is doing and the events are much better. So uh, it helps using a specific service user which you can identify to watch to each of the integration services. Yeah, def definitely. The the further the versions, even in 6.0, you, you actually see the IP address of a of a uh, yeah. user login now, right? Which is, is a huge step forward for um, mm -hmm. not not only security but auditability as well, which essentially is a subset of security. Yeah, that's true. Uh, So for the uh, ninth subsection, uh, you'll need to be able to determine the proper security solution that would satisfy a regulatory requirement. Uh, well, first we need to address how to achieve and demonstrate compliance. In the tool section of the, of the objective, there's an old white paper called Achieving Compliance in a Virtualized Environment. And this section is basically right from that white paper. It states that in uh, the audit guide from the Institute of Internal Auditors, you have three control categories, preventive, detective, and corrective controls. Each of them include a subset of processes or items. Uh, to continue with the Institute of Internal Auditors, they state in their uh, guide to assessment of IT risk that there are three IT control objectives, and each of these can be used to apply the control categories. So here you see each of them. There are uh, access and user administrator change in configuration and operations. Each of the control categories within the objective have an applicable item that need to be addressed. So in the case of access and user administration, you might have segregation of duties and segregate data and preventive and uh, monitor privileged user and verify network control and to detective and same goes for change and operations. Uh, so now it's easy to map a security solution uh, to the aforementioned control category and control objective. 
active. So logging can be mapped to operations, configuration management, monitoring tools can be mapped to change in configuration, and so on. Of course, some knowledge uh, on how, how we realize and log inside and we realize configuration management work uh, will help a lot since these are VMware specific solutions that can satisfy these regulatory requirements. Yeah, I'd say also have, having a bit of a look into the hardening guide here on, on that particular topic doesn't hurt. Um, there, there's a lot, especially in combination with, uh, with that PDF that you mentioned. Um, it, it just makes for great questions during the exam to, to map it to certain risk group profiles as well. Yeah. So on to the last one. Uh, the last section uh, requires you to analyze if the security requirements are met within a current environment. So uh, once VMware offered the solution called VMware Compliance Checker for vSphere, but it was discontinued after vSphere 5.5. But it was like a miniature version of We Realize Configuration Manager, but could only be used for five hosts at a time. So to, in order to check an existing environment or or a current state. You will need to map each of the requirements which you need to fulfill to a specific configuration item in the environment and manually manually validate the configuration accordingly. So, but but also you need to uh, address uh, and validate others other items like uh, segregation of data or segregation of networks, IT management processes if they fulfill the security requirements, access management, and a whole lot more. Uh, I think I'm about done with the uh, subsection, so this is a short one, but uh, I uh, have a, a, a backup slide, because we VCDX is like our backup slides, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd give one more remark on, on your last slide. Um, so yeah, sure. e even with the compliance checker basically discontinued, right? Um, VROPS is a great alternative, right? Um, VROPS mm -hmm. actually has um, alerts, and um, and Robert mentions this as well on, on the Q&A. Um, it's basically, you, you can um, have profiles um, or policies assigned to it to check against hardening guide recommendations. Um, and yeah. even, even though it's not up to date, um, to, to the very latest version, um, you, you can build your own uh, compliance check alerts into it, right? Um, VROPS is a powerful tool um, for, for customization. Um, th mm -hmm. Thankfully, that customization is not part of the blueprint for this exam. <laughs> I, I think that no. deserves its own exam uh, in, in its own rights because it's, uh, it's, it's really, really powerful. But yeah, Infrastructure Navigator in, in combination with uh, vRealize Operations Manager is, is a great combination um, for the discontinued compliance checker. Yeah. So as for the backup slide, uh, it's, uh, it's actually just a vSphere 6.5 update slide to see what 6.5 have add, added to security. Well, uh, the most in, uh, important one is VM encryption, which uh, can, all, of course, help to comply with PCI, DSS, GPTR, and HIPAA, uh, or any regulations that need protection of sensitive data. Uh, 
these are actually applied through specific encryption policies. Uh, also, there's vMotion encryption, uh, which also apply to data protection uh, specific regulations. Then there uh, is secure put for VSXI hosts and VMs, which can help fulfill some multiple security requirements for, from various standards and regulations. Uh, secure put actually ensures that the ESXi uh, and the VM are running only VMware signed code in case of ESXi and drivers in case of VMs. So also 6.5 has enhanced locking updates. Uh, so it updates the configuration of the VM event in the vCenter to include uh, more detailed change history. So what was changed and from what and to what it was changed. So, for example, in, in case of compliance regulations, uh, you can see if a VM has been moved from a PCI-specific port group to a non-PCI port group and lock that and even create alerts regarding that using your locking mechanisms. Uh, also, uh, there's, no, there's no more security hardening guide. Uh, the, so it's called security configuration guide today. Uh, since uh, VMware actually thought they didn't really harden that much and VMware wants to make at least most of the configuration items uh, as default. So, so you actually need to apply lower security to components. And also, that uh, security loosening guide doesn't sound that great. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Um, no, nobody would, yeah. nobody would want to follow that. We, we've, we've got one more comment from the audience as well. Um, Robert mentions yep. uh, just a few hours ago the, the bits for vSAN 6.6 were just released. Um, so on 6.0, you now have uh, native data at rest encryption on vSAN as well, which which is a huge step forward, especially for those PCI DSS customers. Um, that's yeah. one of the basically major requirements they always ask for. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's natively in there with an external key management solution as well, which which is simply brilliant in in that regard. Yep. That's so upgrade, upgrade to vSAN 6.6. Yep. <laughs> uh, not only for security alone. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. One comment on the vMotion encryption. You can actually achieve vMotion encryption in 6.0 as well. Um, even in 5.x, uh, you can create IPsec tunnels over uh, VM kernel ports. Uh, the, the big disadvantage is uh, it, an IPsec tunnel is, is kind of wonky with performance. Um, the configuration exists and is supported, but with, uh, with the native encryption there in 6.5, it's, it's far more efficient. So okay. one more argument to go to 6.5, actually. Yeah, that's good. Uh, then only had this uh, a couple of links to that white paper on risk appetite and risk tolerance, and also uh, a link to uh, the official VMware framework on security regulation compliance, which is actually not part of the tools, but still, if, if you want to read on security, I recommend reading those as well. Yeah. 
Also, take a look at the reference architectures VMware has pushed out there, especially VVDs, yeah. um, the, uh, in, in the tools section of the blueprint, you will find reference architectures for Microsoft SQL Server and uh, Microsoft Exchange as well. And also put a spin on this from the security perspective. Which components can you safely put into a DMZ without breaking a design? Which components shouldn't be in the DMZ? Um, that's very important for this exam as well. Being able to basically take an application and its dependency and be able to evaluate, right? Where, where yeah. in my network can I put certain things? Where shouldn't I put certain things? That's true. Uh, we've got one question if there is any requirements for certificate management or uh, around certificate lifecycle management. Um, I, I'd say it's fair game to, to know about this but on a rather high level because the certificate lifecycle management is, is actually a component outside of the VMware stack. Um, if you are a V expert or if you want to take the, um, the free trial from Pluralsight, there is a great video course um, on certificate lifecycle management and certificate management on, um, on Pluralsight if you want to broaden your horizon in, in that regard. Um, from, from pure certificate requirements perspective, um, always think about the types of questions you could get in the exam as well. And certificate of questions lean themselves more towards a, a VCP style multiple choice question rather than a drag and drop style question um, with uh, with with a drag and drop or Visio designer tool, uh, but still they could be a sub part of a design, but more on on a higher level. Hope that made sense. Okay, perfect. Thank you very very much, Laros for presenting you. today. Yeah. It was, was fun having you. Yep, that was fun. And thank you. Again, if, if you want to do another hard topic, because we, we, we just established before you're a glutton for punishment, you just want to do the hard topics on, <laughs> on the V Brown bags. Yep. Um, feel free to reach out. If, if anyone in the audience wants to present as well, feel free to reach out. We are always looking for presenters. And with this, I say, Thank you for attending. Thank you for presenting. And we'll see you next week with Tim Davis presenting on NSX on Blueprint Topic 3.2. Well, not NSX, but physical design. But I'm sure he'll drop some NSX parts in there as well. I know Tim. Perfect. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you.